This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Annual Pass. This is the place where you join us as we talk about theme park attractions, shows, and other cool stuff going on in the world of theme parks. I am your host, Jack Patillo, and of course, join me as always is my beautiful co-host, Jeff Ramsey. Hi, Jeffrey. That's a perfect 10. That was a perfect 10. I finally got it. Oh, my God. Dude, I, I was finally getting got so it. nervous. I thought he's surely... Because I imagine that like the pressure is mounting and you're Ugh. hyper aware that you're going through it. I was so scared you'd spell you'd like mispronounce my name at the end or something. Every time I say as always, that's what throws me off. As Ooh, always, yeah. and that's the one that I, even there was one I think episode four, I think the Jurassic Park one or maybe Rock and Roller Coaster. I missed it and you didn't call me on it, so I don't know if I, you just were being kind or what. But anyway, I nailed it. Yeah, dude, congratulations. Two months. To get my first intro. I know that uh, we're talking to each other uh, through the power of the internet, <laughs> but let's try and uh, high five each other, if you will. All right. I'm going to get three, two, one. Close that enough. Work? Okay. Close enough. Works for me. Works for me. Yeah. All right. Hi, everybody. This is releasing on June 3rd, 2021. You know what happens next week, Jeffrey. Uh, I try not to date the podcast, but this is something pretty special that's happening next week. Is it my birthday? Well, no, that's close. That's close. No, next week, Jeff, you yes. and I, as of, as of the release of this episode, next week are going to Universal Orlando to ride Velocicoaster, which opens up June 10th. It opens up a week from today, if you're listening to this live. Is that really that soon? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I should check and make sure I have a flight. <laughs> yeah, we should probably make sure we have that flights and hotels and all that stuff. But anyway, yeah, our okay. friends at Universal Orlando offered Jeffrey and I to go early to check out Velocicoaster. So we're going to go ride that. And I, I think this will be the first roller coaster. It will be. It'll be the first roller coaster you and I have ever ridden together. Can I ask you a favor? Of course. Can we hold hands? Absolutely. You That's know, there's going to be ride photos, too. We got to We got to take some good ride photos. Maybe we can ride it more than once. I'm very excited. We're going to oh, document our first experience together. This is awesome. It's very cool. So Universal is bringing us out there to check out Velocicoaster. And also, we're going to be there for a couple days. So we're not just there for that. So, Jeff, I'm going to be able to take you around and show you some of my favorite attractions at Universal, both the studios and Islands of Adventure. And I think we're going to try to document some of your immediate reactions after getting off some rides. So we might have that up. Also, while we're there... Universal has given us access to their recording studio. So we're going to record an episode about Velocicoaster at Universal Studios in the theme park using their radio station, which is bonkers to me. That is so cool. We really lucked into something here, didn't we? Dude, I'm so, so excited. I've been such a fan of this kind of stuff for so long. And now that this is all kind of falling together, it's it's been remarkable. The, the, the outpouring of, of positive sentiment coming from everyone in the community has been great. Everyone following us on Twitter and Instagram, annual underscore pass on those and uh, all the emails we've been getting. Thank you very much. Let me ask you a question real quick. How old are you as of this taping? Oh, I'm 39 years old. I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I didn't want to I didn't want to unfairly age you. So for 39 <laughs> years you have lived under a black cloud and I feel like Jack it's finally lifting. It's finally Jack's year. It took me 40 <laughs> years to get here, but finally things are coming up Millhouse. Yeah, dude, it's this has been such an awesome experience and Again, everyone who's bought shirts and everyone who's supported the show, everyone who's tweeted about it, like all of that stuff. The biggest thing right now is we're trying to grow. So if you want to tell your friends about Annual Pass, please do so. Let them know about this podcast. We're doing everything we can to spread and grow because the more base we can cover, the more really, really cool stuff we can do. Like I want to do live shows. I want to do more touring stuff. And that kind of stuff only can happen if we get more people listening to the show. So please spread the word. It's just fun to celebrate a fandom together. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's been, a, I mean, you and I have been working together for a long, long time and we've seen the power of this community and I'm just so, so excited. Yeah. Uh, ben, our producer saying that podcasts live and die by word of mouth. So it's very important that you spread the word, let people know again, this is a family friendly podcast. So if you're, you know, trying to tell your, you know, your friends about like, oh, hey, there's this rooster tea thing. And then they listen. They're like, oh, this is people yelling at each other. It's like, no, no, this is a, it's a friendly thing. It's happy. It's good. All right. You're laying it on a little thick now, buddy. I'm just saying I will <laughs> die if you do not spread the word. Ben says, tell your mom to listen to Annual Pass. Maybe she'll take you to a theme park. There you go. There it is right there. Get your mom to take you to a theme park and listen to Annual Pass. All right. That's, it's what they're for. Honestly. <laughs> 
So that is next week. That's going to be an exciting one. And then on the 17th, so not next episode, but the episode after will be our VelociCoaster episode. So you can hear our initial reactions. I'll give a heads up anytime we talk about spoiler type stuff, because I've been very careful about not spoiling the queue, which is anything you can see from a normal path in the theme park. I've allowed myself to watch video and photos of that, but anything inside the ride, any actual like attraction experience type stuff, I've been very careful not to spoil myself because I want to experience it for the first time next to you, Jeffrey. And uh, we'll also let people know like, hey, we might be talking about this stuff. But anyway, two weeks from now, come back for VelociCoaster. The rules you create for yourself, that's fascinating. Dude, I it's important. I'm very excited about the Veloci thing and all of that stuff. <laughs> but how are you going to entertain me today? I want to hear about theme parks right now. All right, Jeff. Well, speaking of Universal Studios, today we are going to talk about E.T. Adventure. E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Okie dokie. Did you see this movie in theaters, I'm guessing? Dude, not only did I see E.T. in theaters, uh, I was like, oh gosh, what year did it come out? It was June 11th, 1982. 82. Okay, so yeah, I'm seven when it comes out, or I'm about to turn seven. So, like, I was the perfect age for that movie, so it was my whole life. Like, E.T. Yeah. bed sheets, you know, E.T. cereal. Like, I remember I had some, like, E.T., like, Teddy Grahams almost. <laughs> But you know what I still have to this day, I still hold on to and I prize, I, I like I cherish it. Is it a speaking spell? It's not that far off. I have a four disc like bound E.T. the extraterrestrial movie record collection as Whoa. told by Michael Jackson. So Michael Jackson what? narrates the story of E.T. Yeah, and the cover is like E.T. smiling and Michael Jackson's got like his arm around him. It's really, really neat. And it's one of my, it is like, I, I'm a big collector. I collect a, st a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We do the baseball card stuff in other shows. But uh, that's one of my, like my favorite things. And I've been, I've held on to it for almost 40 years now. Wow, that is bonkers, dude. I did not yeah. know about that. Yeah, I've never showed it to anybody. I just had it my whole life. <laughs> you just sleep with it under your pillow at night. <laughs> don't let anyone see it. Well, the E.T. Adventure is based off of E.T. the Extraterrestrial. This is the Steven Spielberg movie that came out in 1982. And when Universal Studios was building their Florida theme park, they went to Steven Spielberg because he was the hotness at the time. This was, you know, the this is the late 80s, early 90s when they were building up this park. And they went to Steven Spielberg to be like, hey, what would you want to see in our theme park? And so obviously they had the Back to the Future attraction. The Jaws ride was there. Confrontation was there. I don't know if Ghostbusters open, but uh, are open there. But there was an Alfred Hitchcock thing. And one of the opening things, actually one of the few things that actually worked properly on opening day was E.T. Adventure. So this opened June 7th, 1990 in Orlando. And then again, they spread it to Hollywood and Japan as well. June 12th, 1991 in Hollywood and March 31st, 2001 in Japan. The Orlando one's the only one still standing. And as a matter of fact, oh, E.T. Adventure is the only ride still open from opening day at Universal Orlando. There are two shows that still exist. The horror makeup show, which I love, and I, I am genuinely excited to take you to that. And the animal actor stage is still open. Those two shows have been open since opening day, but the only ride is the E.T. Adventure ride. Have you heard that urban legend? Or maybe it's not an urban legend. Maybe it's just a well-established fact. But I'd always heard that Spielberg made that deal and he, because he was the hotness, he worked it out where he gets a percentage of, I don't know if it's gross or net, of the park, like in perpetuity. And so supposedly that deal made him like the lion's share of his considerable wealth. So Steven Spielberg gets 2% of, again, I don't know if it's gross or if it's just profit from Universal Studios theme parks. It was something like I, I saw an article. I don't know if it was three years ago. He made 50 million dollars. <laughs> and this is three years ago. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, he's but think of all the attractions that he's touched. I mean, like, I mean, we've talked about, you know, Jurassic Park River Adventure already. And like I said, we've got E.T. I mean, Back to the Future. He had a hand in as well. I mean, obviously Jaws, and there, there's so much stuff that he has had his his hands on. Men in Black, I mean... War of the Worlds, I think there was a War of the Worlds thing, right, at one point? Maybe in Japan, I don't not in, the, not in Florida, or... I feel like you could see the plane crash, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I feel like that was a thing. Oh, yeah, the set from War of the Worlds was in Hollywood, California. It was actually, well, I mean, 
Universal Studios Hollywood is actually attached to Universal Studios, the actual working production facilities there. And so they have the back lot, which mm. you see back lots in Orlando, like, you know, initially at Disney MGM Studios and Universal, and they have back lots with air quotes around them. But the real back lots, like where they shot Back to the Future and where they shot scenes from War of the Worlds and where they had stuff from the Lost World Jurassic Park, that was shot at those facilities in Hollywood. So the big set from War of the Worlds where the plane crashed, what you're referring to, there's a big 747 crashes. And then in the movie, Tom Cruise walks through this big just down plane mm-hmm. that lived there for a long, long time. I think they've recently gotten rid of it, but they use that set. They use that location during like their Halloween Horror Night stuff. Actually, you could walk through the actual destroyed plane and sort of neighborhood sets and everything. And it was really, really cool. It's That's a really awesome. fascinating set. But anyway, Steven Spielberg, obviously very, very important to Universal Studios, and he still is to this day. And there's some interesting sort of behind the scenes stuff about that, that apparently they were very careful when they shut down the Hollywood E.T. adventure because they were nervous that Spielberg might be pissed off. And so they were very <laughs> careful to be like, hey, no, 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 it's still going to be open in Japan and Orlando. Don't worry. And he's like, OK. And then they closed down Japan without apparently notifying him again, supposedly. He threatened to pull all of his support for the theme parks and ask them to remove all of the attractions based around his properties if they don't keep the one in Orlando. So that attraction, as far as I know, is not going anywhere until (laughs) while Steven Spielberg is still alive. Well, plus, I mean, it's got to I understand, you know, the need to innovate and to evolve. And like what what works at a time is it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work like in perpetuity throughout, you know, throughout all time. But there has to be like like some of the gravitas of my experience at Disneyland was like feeling that I was stepping through history. And that it it felt solid and rooted, yeah. like it had been there, you know. And like, if it's the only ride left from the original run of rides, like you feel like you need to, to it needs to stick around in some capacity, just as for historical record, and to allow Universal Studios to have that same kind of gravitas as it continues to evolve, you know. Yeah. And it actually, I mean, it is a really, really good ride. It's all animatronics. There's no crazy, you know, projection mapping or anything yet. It's a good ride. And there's some really interesting facts and stuff we'll get into about this later. And we can actually ask. So we have a special guest joining us today. My friend Lily, who actually worked at the E.T. Adventure in Orlando for a number of years. She's going to be here in a little bit to answer any questions you and I might have about this attraction. So maybe we see it. We'll ask her if she ever met Spielberg or heard any of the uh, the stories about Spielberg. But oh, I can't wait. I will say Universal has been good about when they do take down older attractions about having sort of celebrations, kind of like, let's have a big hurrah for this one. Like when Confrontation, which was the King Kong ride that got replaced by Revenge of the Mummy in Universal Orlando, when they took that one down, they had like a Ride Kong one last time day. And if I'm not mistaken, I think everyone who went got a free banana, which is pretty great. (laughs) Apparently when they shut down E.T. though in Hollywood, it is kind of closed. So it was 2003 and they sort of shut it down and kind of caught people off guard. So maybe they've learned from that mistake and are trying to be better about it. Yeah. The attraction was originally sponsored by AT&T, our parent company. Of course, because, hey, phone home, right? It makes sense. It was either going to be AT&T or Reese's Pieces, I imagine, would sponsor an attraction like this. Well, I know which one tastes better. So when you walk into the attraction outside, they have E.T. posters from all over the planet. Okay, when I'm referring to this one, when I'm talking about the attraction, I'm mostly talking about the Orlando attraction. That's where I have most of my experience. I'm imagining the ones in Japan and Hollywood are very similar to this, but this is mostly based off my knowledge of the E.T. attraction. So So when you say posters from all over the planet, do you just mean movie posters in different languages? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, cool, cool. It's like E.T. written, you know, in, you know, Japanese and and like in, in Spanish. And so... Kind of cool to see that stuff. And, you know, it's like showing that this was a global phenomenon. And so you walk inside and there is an actual pre-show video that pops up and it's Steven Spielberg. So he actually made a video. This video has been shot three different times, actually. The very first video was him in a movie theater telling you you're about to be a part of the E.T. sequel and you're going to see what's going to happen. And like there's a whole new story. After a little bit, they kind of changed that from being a movie to actually being like a more of a whimsical sort of attraction. So they reshot it where you actually were going to go with E.T. on an adventure to his home planet. And then for the 20th anniversary of E.T., which was 2002, they shot a new one with Spielberg again, where it's kind of the same deal. And I just watched a video where they were showing the differences between all the different pre-show videos. And the most recent video, the one you'd see now with Spielberg, they reshot him. So he looks older. 
but all the footage of E.T. was the footage from like 95 with just like blue screened in. So it's Spielberg talking to this weird cutout of, of E.T. <laughs> from a previous video. So these refreshes, they mm-hmm. don't change the ride itself, just no. like the presentation leading into the ride. Very, very little has changed about the actual attraction itself. Okay. Just kind of the pre-show and the sponsor. So it was sponsored by AT&T. It is now no longer sponsored by anyone. It's just a ride you get on. So, Jeff, are you ready to take an adventure with E.T.? Yes, I am. I am going to walk you through the E.T. adventure, starting from the point where Spielberg's done talking with us and tells us to go forward. You ready? We're going to follow those Reese's Pieces into the shed. Here we go. So the last thing Spielberg says is, hey, don't forget to get your interplanetary passport. So, hey, you walk into the next room and there's assistants there that ask your name and you tell them your name. Like, this is six-year-old me. Yes, my name's Jack. They go, oh, thank you. Here you go, Jack. And they give you an interplanetary passport. Because, Jeff, we're going on an adventure to another planet. That's right. Us and E.T. are going to a whole different world. And I'm excited. We first walk past these assistants into a forest. It's a redwood forest. And immediately, the first thing you notice is the smell. There is a unique smell of this forest that I haven't smelled anywhere else. People have attempted to replicate it and sell candles of it, and someone even sent me a scent bottle of it. But you walk in there and you smell like you're in this forest, and it's amazing, and it's dark, and it's spooky, and you hear birds, and everything's, you know, really, like, weird and kind of a little uneasy. As you walk along, you see there's people in NASA, like, space outfits, and they're hunting for E.T., Jeff. They're looking for E.T. because he's escaped, and they're trying to find him. And you're like, what? No, we, we want to help E.T. And then you round a corner and E.T.'s speaking spell with the umbrella is right there. And, it, and it's making a message and it says H-E-L-P-E-T. Oh, help E.T. Uh, we have to help E.T., Jeff. I want to help E.T. <laughs> <laughs> How do we help E.T.? We keep going and then all of a sudden this projection comes down from the sky and it's Botanicus. Botanicus who's telling us we have to find E.T. It's another E.T. It's another E.T. species. I don't know what his species is called. I don't know who that is. It's Botanicus. Okay. And he says, You need to find E.T. and bring him home in a spaceship or a bicycle or something along those lines. And you're like, <laughs> Yes, Botanicus, we will find E.T. and we will save him. And you keep walking through this forest and you can see an animatronic rabbit's there, which is a reference to like the very beginning of the movie. And also, if you get lucky, you can see E.T. actually running in the forest. You see his little red heartbeat glowing in the forest and he's running around and goes, Whoa! you know, that the E.T. kind of squeal <laughs> yeah. he does. And supposedly there's actually hidden owls in the attraction as well. I don't know about that. But anyway, so we're walking along. We finally we make it to the loading station where Jeff, we hand our interplanetary passports to an attendant there who takes them. And then we get on a bicycle, Jeff. It's three rows of four bikes. And at the very front row, there's a milk crate with E.T. inside of it. In every bicycle? Well, just in the very front one. Only one E.T. There's only one E.T., Jeff. Come on, don't be ridiculous. So we get on our bicycle. We pull down our lap bars. We don't have to pedal, thankfully. And so we take off and run our bikes in a forest trying to help E.T. get away. And then, we, oh, oh no, there's NASA's there trying to find E.T. And the people are they're looking for him. And now there's cops, Jeff. There's cops searching for Space him. Space cops? No, no, normal cops. They, they've got walkie-talkies and cop cars. And you were like, whoa, and you're trying to escape. And they see, oh, there he is. And there's a video footage where E.T.'s head's popped up. And you see him, and you're like, oh, that's us. And you're like, uh-oh. And then you're surrounded, Jeff. We're surrounded by the cops and the spacemen. And E.T. says, fly. And then, boom, we're in the air. We're flying, Jeff. We're, we're airborne. E.T. Is, is levitating our bikes, and we're flying. We're flying, Jeffrey. Because he, what did he say again? Uh, fly. <laughs> I, I think is what he says. Yeah. I don't know, or, awesome. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he says. Anyway, so now we're in the air. We're flying through the sky with E.T., and he's taking us up, and we look down. Look down to your left, Jeff, and you can see the, uh, the city. And they're shaking their useless walkie-talkies at us. They, <laughs> they're powerless to stop us. And we, we look down on the city, and it's beautiful. You can see, like, a football stadium and baseball stadium, and there's cars driving around, and it's all lit up, and it's night. And there in front of us is the moon. Oh, and we see our silhouette of ourselves as we cross the moon, Jeffrey. It's us. And ah. he's on the front. And the da na 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 We get the John Williams music. I don't know how much of it I can I can come along without getting <laughs> copyrights. enough. You did a great job. And then we round a corner from the city. Now we're way up in space. And woo, there's a teleporter, like a, a warp 
field we go through and whoosh, we've now warped through time and space. Maybe not time, but we warped through space and now we're on the green planets. And Botanicus is there, Jeff. And Botanicus is like, oh, E.T., you're home. You have to help save the planet. The planet's dying. Go talk to Tikri, I think is her name. And E.T. then vanishes from our bike and he appears in front of us and he uses his magic healing touch, Jeffrey, to save the green planet, his home world. It goes from like dying brown and reds <laughs> to greens. Everything starts coming back to life. All of these creatures, all of these different flora and fauna start appearing and they're being healed by E.T.'s magical touch, Jeffrey. I wish he would have touched our planet. Uh, well, maybe we'll bring him back. Maybe they'll be okay. the sequel. We didn't know he could do that. No, I mean, we knew he could heal something. He brought, did he bring a rabbit back to life or something? Yeah, he but he something. didn't, he could have done the planet. Yeah, he could have done, you know, global warming. That would have been yeah. great, E.T. Anyway, so now we're, we're floating around his planet. We're, we're riding through and it's so magical and every, all of these creatures are so happy that E.T. has returned to them. They all speak English for whatever reason. We're going around and we see like there's a big celebration and there's baby ETs, Jeff. There's baby ETs Aww. like moving around. They're spitting out water at each other and spitting. Do they around. have diapers? There's, no, they're all naked. They're all naked oh. baby ETs. It's, it's really cute though. Okay. And then there's like these crazy like plant-based creatures. They're all super happy. Everyone's happy and singing. And there's like a really happy version of the ET theme song going on. And ET's so happy and he's he's back at his home planet. We did it. We saved him. And then we round the corner and we see E.T. at his house. E.T. actually has his own pad. <laughs> it's sort of shaped like a weird coconut type thing. It's, it's very <laughs> odd looking. But uh, and then E.T. He says, goodbye, Jack, Jeff, Ben. And then he starts listing off the names of everyone in your vehicle. Are you serious? He says your name, Jeffrey. And you're like, oh, E.T. said my name. Then you're as you're crying, you round the next corner and there's another <laughs> portal. And then we see in the sky, like a little, like the stars that make the ET touching thing. And then we're back home. We're back on Earth. We get off our bicycles. We bid farewell to ET and wish him luck on the green planet. And then we go to ET's toy closet, which is the gift shop afterwards. And you buy all your ET <laughs> merchandise, including photos with ET in the toy closet. And then the uh, you can also get a photo of like you on a bike. And we're 100% going to get these photos and have them when we come back from Universal, Jeff. That is the ET adventure. As far as I can tell, the one in Hollywood and the one in Japan are very, very similar, if not identical. But yeah, that's it. So uh, that is your ride through of E.T. Adventure. I can honestly say, Jack, that is the best ride you've taken me on yet. <laughs> it's a good one. There's some there's some really, really cool stuff with this thing. So the interplanetary passport has been something that's been a part of the attraction. The original when Spielberg called it like they're filming the sequel, they just called it a pass. But the Interplanetary Passport, they have over 20,000 names you can give it that E.T. will say at the end. They actually redid it a few years ago. There's some names that won't do. I think when I was a kid, my dad asked if he could make his name stupid. So, <laughs> so E.T. would say, goodbye, stupid. Such a dad thing to do. Yeah. I think he got stew is all he got. And so <laughs> we can ask Lily about some of the weird names that maybe you can use. Let me take a quick little break here to tell you about some of our sponsors that support Annual Pass and want to hook you up. The first one is Gabby. I feel like so many of us pick the first car and home insurance we can think of, making that big of a decision based on whether you like the charming Australian gecko or the nice guy wearing khakis or the dude with the hat and the big mustache. Anyway, not the smartest choice when you're picking your insurance. If you didn't do a ton of research before picking your insurance provider, you probably need to get a better insurance. You probably need Gabby. Get it? Get a better insurance. G-A-B-I. That's it. Getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same exact insurance coverage. Gabby is the one true comparison platform with real rates. They give you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers all in one place. Just use your current insurance information to get started, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have, and it's free to use. I know right now a lot of people in Austin, where we record Annual Pass, are dealing with a lot of hail damage, so you see a lot of people dealing with insurance, and I know a lot of people are going like, why did I never think about this stuff before? And they should have used Gabby. They should have gone and found some good insurance for a good price. I know I've checked it out and I've seen some really, really cool stuff. I've seen some good rates, stuff I didn't even think I could get. And uh, it certainly opened my eyes. Now, 
on average, Gabby customers save $961 per year. And they'll never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. That's super nice because my phone won't stop ringing right now. It's really annoying. Okay, you. Put your policy to the test just like I did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation at all. Go to Gabby.com slash pass. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash pass. Gabby.com slash pass. And while we're here, why don't I tell you a little bit about the Rooster Teeth store? That's right. I'm a big fan of them. Let me read what they gave me and see how good the writing is. Hey, let's take a minute and talk about the Rooster Teeth store. I said that already. Have you guys checked it out lately? Uh, you, you should probably go check it out. Uh, I, again, I've mentioned in the past, that's where we have all of our stuff. If you go to store.roosterteeth.com, that's where we have annual pass merchandise. We got shirts up in the store right now, but we got more cool stuff coming very soon, I promise. We've got a hat on the way. We've got a lanyard on the way. We got a jacket on the way. I'm still throwing my hat in for ponchos. Well, I'm keeping my hat, but I'm st I still want I still want annual pass ponchos. So, if you could Go grab a shirt, grab an annual pass shirt right now, and then in the review, be like, I love the shirt. It, it made my life better, but my life would be so much better if I also had an annual pass poncho. Just saying, just saying you can do that. All right. It, it'd be pretty great. Okay, the, the, I have to, I'm going to go back to what they wrote for me now. Here we go. It says, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and tons more from your favorite Rooster Teeth shows and brands right now. They referred to me as a brand. That kind of hurts. Hey, and keep an eye out right now for our biggest and best pride collection ever. Just go to store.roosterteeth.com to start shopping right now. The pride merchandise is really cool. You should check out the Achievement Hunter stuff. It's really, really awesome. We have a ton of awesome pride merch up there as well. So uh, that's going to do it, I think. I think, I, I think I've talked enough about the Rooster Teeth store and about how much I want ponchos. I'm just saying, store.roosterteeth.com. Go to grab the annual pass stuff, request ponchos, and then uh, maybe someday we'll have ponchos. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's going to do it for all of this uh, this advertising stuff. It's okay. It supports our show, though. Trust me. You, if you, you, should, you should check it out. So let's get back and talk more about theme parks. The music in the ride was actually recorded by John Williams. So he did additional new music for this attraction. It's the first time ever that's happened. E.T. composer John Williams wrote the music for the attraction, making the first time that a ride was given its own original musical score. That's directly from the Universal website. So the only way to hear, if you're a like a major John Williams fan, the only way to hear that composition is to go ride the ride. That is. It's E.C.'s toy box, not, not closet, sorry. Mm. But yeah, if you want to hear all the John Williams music ever, I mean, good luck. But yeah, you'd have to you'd have to go on this one. I don't know if they've ever released the soundtrack separately, you know, like any done special releases or anything like that. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I talked about the forest smell, like the the scent you yeah. have when you walk in. So there is a company called Scent Air, all one word, that apparently was started by a former Imagineer. And now like they're the world exclusive scent maker or they do scents for like, you know, different theme parks and like restaurants and hotels and all that kind of stuff. And the ET, like it's such a unique scent. I can't, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. It's the only place I've ever smelled it, but you'll never forget the smell. You're really talking it up. I'm, I'm excited to smell it. There are multiple places you can go and buy like copycat scents of this thing. Like lots of people have tried to duplicate it. And yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how you react to it. Cause like, I, I think it's like, it, it gives me, it immediately brings me back memories of being a child and, and riding this ride. So it's special to me. I'm curious since you're, you know, you're a little bit older than I was when I first went. Yeah. How you'll react to it if you're like, oh, this is cool or if not. I bet it'll smell good and it'll I don't think it'll remind me of your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> so the green planet is E.T.'s home planet and the whole thing is Botanicus tells you to go save the green planet. Did you know you're the big E.T. fan? There was a sequel book written about E.T. Yeah. E yeah, it's called E.T. and the Book of the Green Planet. Yeah. And there are storybooks that were written uh, or like illustrations done and storybook versions of this. And that's where the majority of the actual characters from the attraction come from. Even like E.T.'s house is based off what was in those storybooks. I had no idea about that until I was doing research because in my opinion, it's like these are just weird looking characters. And it turns out they actually have some roots. I never read the sequel. I was warned off of it by other kids my age because apparently Elliot was like a teenager and he was oh. like a little 
snooty and a little too cool for E.T. And I didn't want to not like Elliot. And so I, <laughs> I just didn't read it. What did Elliot go on to do? He, he did another movie when he was older. The actor who did that. Henry Thomas is the, the guy's name. Oh, he's in The Haunting of uh, Bly Manor and the, uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Oh, that's right. I, I knew he popped up somewhere recently. Yeah, he was in The Haunting of Bly Manor. Well, there you go. Oh, he's from San Antonio. I didn't know that. Well, was, wasn't he the kid in Cloak and Dagger? Uh, let's see here. Let's look up his IMDb. He is in uh, he was in Suicide Kings. Scroll way down. He was in Cloak and Dagger. He was Davy Osborne in Cloak and Dagger, which was just after E.T. Which also takes place in San Antonio. That's why I, mm. I thought about that. Yeah. Oh, he was in Fire in the Sky. Wow. The big, uh, he was great in Fire in the Sky. The big chase scene at the end is with the boats on the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Oh, wow. I need to go back and rewatch that. There's so many movies now I need to go back and rewatch. I haven't watched E.T. in a long time. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, controversial things about like the most recent director's edits of E.T. and stuff. And I, I get that. I'm just going through his IMDb. All right, let me get back to my notes. Yeah. Yeah, so all the a lot of the characters were based off of that book, the E.T. in the book of the Green Planet. One other thing, too. So now when you ride E.T., you get on. It's basically the ride vehicles are they're called they're flying gondolas is what they are. So it's a platform that has three rows of four bikes across each. But initially, when the ride opened, they had the bikes and they also had a spaceship you could get in. Oh, yeah. E.T. had a spaceship that you could ride back to uh, his home planet. And the spaceship, the thing about the spaceship was that was the ADA compliant vehicle. So you could put like wheelchairs and stuff on that one. But the thing was, no one wanted to ride in that if they didn't have to. So people would wait for the bikes. And so eventually they got rid of the bikes and they reworked a few of them where they actually have like platforms where they can put wheelchairs and keep it safe. That makes a lot more sense. Then you get to keep everybody together having the same experience. Yeah. Not only that, looking back at old photos and videos of the attraction when it opened, it seems like the initial attraction had only three bikes wide. It looked like it only had like nine passengers per attraction or per go. So it was three rows of three, but now it's three rows of four. So I don't know when that change happened, but it's something small I picked up on. It's kind of cool. Hmm. There's nearly 300 different characters throughout the ride, all designed, um, all brand new. And uh, yeah, that's a lot, of, a lot of animatronics, a lot of statues and figurines and whatnot. All canon, too, apparently, it sounds like. Yeah, but um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so the E.T. attraction, it's it's a cool one. It's classic. I mean, like, you know, Universal is not nearly as old as Disney. You know, Disney's been around for they're celebrating their 50 years of Magic Kingdom in Florida this year. And Universal's only been around since 1990. So they're only, you know, 30 years old at this point. So they got a little, not as much time. And this attraction is the only one still left. So uh, it's it's pretty special. It's uh, still still near and dear to my heart. And uh, hope, hopefully they'll never get rid of it. Hopefully they'll never, you know, upset Spielberg. <laughs> and maybe we'll get a new uh, intro video, you know, coming up for like the 50th anniversary of, of E.T. coming up. I don't know, 40th anniversary. You know what they say? Hell hath no fury like the most talented storyteller of our generation. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Well, let's you and I take a moment to talk to one of my friends, my friend Lily, who is here to talk to us a little bit more about the behind the scenes and working on E.T. Adventure. So let's talk to Lily now. All right. Jeff, allow me to introduce you to my friend, Lily. Lily worked at ET. How long did you work at ET, Lily? I worked at ET almost five years. I think I was short two months when I left for five wow. years. <laughs> That's awesome. So what period did you work there? I worked there from 2012 until 2017. Yeah, that's that's a long stretch. Couldn't hang out that extra two months, huh? Couldn't do the full five. <laughs> no, I moved to California, so. <laughs> Convenient. So you worked at the Orlando E.T. Adventure. Is it the E.T. Adventure or just E.T. Adventure, first of all? That's my first question for you. Oh, that's a good question. I think it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just E.T. Adventure. I don't remember okay. ever putting the. Can I ask you a question, Lily? Mm-hmm. When you started working in 2012 at E.T. Adventure, we think E.T. Adventure. Did you count yourself a fan of the E.T. franchise at that point? Like, or were you like super familiar with it or had you never seen the movie? Like, what was your E.T. level of knowledge walking into that job? Yeah, so I had watched the movie as a child more than once. Like, I had genuinely enjoyed it as a child. So my memory of it was fuzzy, but not to the point of, oh, I just remember like the little alien. Like, I did remember the whole <laughs> plot of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I also did re remember having a very emotional connection to the ending as a child of the movie. It wasn't like I walked in blind. Like I did 
genuinely know what was going on. And then I was also just a fan of Steven Spielberg films. Mm -hmm, So that also kind of helped. When you were there, did Spielberg ever visit E.T. Adventure while you were working? No, but I do have a story about him being in the park while I was there. (laughs) Let's hear it. Okay, so I don't remember while I was working there, the new Harry Potter expansion opened or the Wizarding World expansion opened. Right before Diagon Alley opened, they actually had kind of a celebrity preview, kind of like how they'll do um, pass holder preview. They had one of those, but for the cast and crew of the Harry Potter movies. And as well, there was other celebrities there like Steven Spielberg. Even though he has nothing to do with the Harry Potter films, he obviously has a legacy with the park. And because Diagon Alley had replaced Jaws, they invited him and he came. So I was working that day. And so that day, um, the celebrities were trying to stay in the Diagon Alley area because obvious, it, if, if anyone who's been there, it is closed off. So you can be in that section and not be gawked at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of the celebrities were like, well, I really want to go ride this ride while I'm here. So they would take a, they would have a VIP escort to the ride. So we were at E.T. and all day long, we know Steven Spielberg's in the park, but we haven't seen him. But we're like, he's going to come. He loves E.T. He's going to come to E.T. Day goes by. He never shows up at E.T. The next day, we're all kind of like sitting in our morning meeting. And we're like, oh, why did Steven Spielberg come to E.T.? And then we find out from a former co-worker who had transferred to Diagon Alley to work it for opening. They came over and told us that Steven Spielberg had been trying to get to E.T., And they had, by their VIP escort, had been told that E.T. was down all day the day before. Our theory, because we weren't down all day, our theory about that was that was before we had had been refurbished in 2017. So we think that the universal higher-ups were embarrassed by the state of the E.T. ride and didn't want him to see it. So they told him all day long that it was down it wasn't it just wasn't operational that day um so there was so basically they just kept finding excuses to keep him from going to et that's fascinating that was the rumor but that's what we were told so wow well that's cool man that's that's neat so there you go there's some universal like gossip (laughs) (laughs) spilling the tea so I have a question, I guess, for both of you guys, because you guys have both uh, worked, you know, Jack, you were at Disney, but Mm. is it common when you go and say work at a place for you were there for five years? Is it common to stay in the same ride the entire time or is transferring around like are you allowed to get bored of like I get sick of doing this ride? I want to go try it, see what Indiana Jones is like or Mm -hmm. does that happen a lot? Are you able to transfer around from ride to ride? Yeah, at least at Universal. I don't know about what Disney's and was like Universal's pretty open to transferring, especially when a new attraction is opening. They really would rather not rather than hire new people who have to be completely trained on everything it also may not be prepared for the volume of people they're about right. to be met with they would much prefer to transfer experienced team members um, or cast members if it's disney um over to that ride they'll still hire new people but like anyone who they're transferring from another ride they're gonna give basically the jobs that are either harder to do or just need that speed but also that safety uh so they're gonna try and find people who can accomplish both at disney is called cross training so mm-hmm. they're they actually encourage it because if you know something happens or a few people are out for one day they can bring people over so you can move around like oh you know like jack is cross trained you know a, a great movie ride and also you know phantasmic and you know rock and roller coaster it's like hey rock and roller coaster something happened and they're down like four people today can we get someone to pull and they can literally search and be like oh here's some other people that are cross trained at this location we can bring them over for the day and then you can pop into costume and grab the correct costume and go down there so they they encourage that quite a bit and what lily said too about new attractions as well they usually look for sort of their their sort of higher performing cast members to be like oh hey here's someone a lot we get a lot of positive feedback let's put them on a new attraction because we know it's going to be flooded when it initially opens to that end i was going to ask are there uh maybe it's not as formal as this but like heavy hitter go-to's that like carol is like the best and so every time we like carol launches every new ride we have like carol and greg are a phenomenal team so we just send them from like new ride to new ride for like the first three months and they just kind of bounce around or is like the i don't know i guess it'd be like the leadoff hitter in baseball you know they set them up for success and then move on or is it not that 
structured? I would say it's not that structured. Um, probably it, it is if you get up to the point where like you're a lead or a supervisor of a ride. Like、mm-hmm. if you're a really great supervisor when all the Wizarding World rides and areas were opening up, they probably were moving around. Like, well, hey, you opened Hogsmeade. Will you open Diagon Alley? Because you did、mm. such a good job opening、yeah. Hogsmeade. So that would be something they would look out for. But as far as the cast members, it's Especially with a theme park, and this isn't even in, in a negative way. There's just a huge turnaround with team members and cast members, either because a lot it, it is, especially in Orlando, it's a college job. It's something、mm-hmm. you do while you're attending school there, or by the time you know a new attraction opens or something, you may have actually been promoted, and now you're a lead or a supervisor. Or you just work in a completely different department, like food or wardrobe. See,、so、you mentioned, and I know this was the case for you too, Jack. It's it's often a college job, and they even have the college programs and stuff. But I assume that there are a lot of people that want to make a career out of this industry. So, is it possible to like to start at ET and become the CEO of the of Universal, <laughs> or like to be Jack at at his and then end up being Michael Eisner? Like, is there a career progression through the company that way? Maybe not. Maybe not that way. But yeah, I mean, is it is、yeah. it a thing you can like start? You know, selling churros on the、uh, and then work your way up till you've you can look back and say like、oh, I had a full thirty year career working in the theme park industry and I got my start here. Steve Martin worked at Jungle Cruise, so I mean that's that was his progression.、Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> you definitely could move up because like there's the progression at least for attractions at Universal was your team member and then you would become a lead. And then you would become a supervisor of a ride, and then you would become the supervisor of an area. So like you'd go from like supervisor of ET to supervisor of kids zone. So like ET and Fievel goes west area and the Barney area and things like that. And then from there you start co-training with the other supervisors of area, and you basically become what we call Studio Ten, or if you're at Islands of Adventure, it's Islands Ten. And essentially on a day to day basis, if the, if that is your position that day. You are running the entire theme park, at least from an attraction standpoint. Wow! You are then making sure, like, okay, all the rides are operational. This one's down. Why is it down? And then, I mean, most of the time, if a ride goes down and you're that position, you don't have to run over there and see what's up, but you do have to be aware of it. And if it is something serious, then you would have to go over there and help, you know, mediate anything. So definitely,、cool. there would there is progression if you are someone who I guess shows the qualities of. A person that could handle that responsibility. Now, Jeff, are you are you looking at a job at Universal? <laughs> no, from- no, I don't think I can handle the responsibility. I just was, I, I just am fascinated by、uh, progression through the ranks. You know, I think it's it's cool. There were people working when I was at Disney had been there for like twenty years that、mm-hmm. were、yeah. you know like managers and stuff at that point. That started as just cast members, kind of you know, or, or custodial, and then suddenly you know they work their way up. And just if you stick around long enough, you can you can definitely get your way up the, the ladder. But hey, Lily, we should ask you about ET. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we brought you here. All right, well, Lily,、uh, I have a question for you. So in my research, I saw there were something like twenty thousand names、oh, in、God. the computer. That、mm-hmm. you can have ET call you. Do you know of any like kind of goofy names or any secret names or anything like fun that you can ask your name to be that ET will say at the end of the ride? I have two answers to this. So it's actually more <laughs> than twenty thousand names now because、oh, wow. we got refurbished in twenty seventeen and they completely recoded how the name computer system works and ET pronounces things. So it went from it was twenty thousand something names in the、uh-huh. system before. But then, when they recoded it with the refurbishing, they actually made it so that ET no longer says names; he actually pronounces it、um, phonetically. Oh wow! So if I put a name in there, and and sometimes you have to play with it. So we could actually, once I added the new system, this was so great. We were actually able to add custom names, including、oh. the phonetic spelling of it. So like you could have typed in anything for the name, but then you could. Spell it out phonetically, and that's how ET would then say it on the ride. So it was、oh. great, but then it was also something at, when we were training new people and, and then each other because it was a new system. We had to、um, teach each other that you know this name is spelled Jennifer, but ET is going to pronounce it Yennefer, right?、Mm. So there was just some things to remember at that point. But going back to the weirdest names in the system. The twenty thousand names also included the original coders and the designers of the ride, and most of them were, I believe, Japanese. Oh, one of the names that was kind of a fan favorite, like longtime riders knew of it, 
was Wakabayashi. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was, I don't know what he did for the ride, but I was told that he was a designer for the ride. So he'd included his name in the system. For longtime riders and fans of the ride, that was a popular name to choose was Wakabayashi. And then we had some very interesting names in there. Like, again, we were limited to 20,000 names. So when we had names in there that we barely used, it was like, why why did they waste the space to put this mm. name in there? Two such names were leaf, like a leaf on a tree. Okay. And office, like I'm sitting in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why those were included. And he pronounced them just like that. Like it wasn't like you went on the ride and you were like, oh, it's pronounced this completely different way. That does sound like a name. No, it was goodbye office. Like <laughs> <laughs> So those were some interesting names that used to be in the system. And then I will also say when we changed the new system over, we were told we were not allowed to add celebrity names because that was the first thing we did. Well, to a point, because obviously there are real people named Mm -hmm. Beyonce. So like we were allowed to keep like Beyonce in there, but we weren't allowed to put things like Britney Spears. Like Britney's fine, but we weren't allowed to be like Uh, Britney Spears or like Mm. trademark names such as Harry Potter. Like you can be Harry, but I cannot put in Harry Potter. So if you're just Cher or Madonna, you're fine, but you throw in a last (laughs) name. Yeah, well, Madonna might be. Yeah, I think Madonna would be fine. I think we actually genuinely had a few Madonnas. Okay. So in at Disney World, they have hidden Mickeys everywhere. And I, I don't know, at Universal, are there any hidden things in the attraction at E.T. Adventure that you can keep an eye out for? Like, I don't know, like hidden Spielbergs or something? It wouldn't be any hidden Spielbergs, but in the queue, the interior queue, once you're inside and you're smelling that wonderful smell that mm, everyone talks Smelly about, forest. There's actually two hidden rabbits and two hidden owls in the trees that are animatronics. And they're rarely noticed. One rabbit is noticed fairly often because it's right where, at least when I worked there, where the queue splits off for Express. But there's another one in the forest most people don't see. And then there's two owls sitting up in the trees watching over you. And it's the same owl you see on the ride. Oh, that's cool. You mentioned the smell of the forest. Now, how how pervasive is that smell? Would it get into your clothes, into your hair, or anything? Did you ever? Did you grow tired of it, or do you still like that smell? Because I personally love it. I like the smell, and I've always liked that genuine smell, anyways, of just like pine forest. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind that smell at all. But I will say that after working there for a few months, I lost. Oh, I could not smell it anymore. <laughs> and I would go home or I would go to like my family and they would be like, oh, you smell like E.T. Like I'd go home and they would smell it on me. And I was like, I don't smell anything now. Now I've gone back since I left and now I can smell the forest again. But I completely became nose blind to it. I couldn't smell it at all. <laughs> That's great. You mentioned that you've gone back. How many times have you gone back and ridden the ride since you quit working there? Uh, at least a dozen times. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that, that makes me happy, though. It's not like something you were like burned out, like, I'm never going to do this again. It's like, you, actually, yeah. you enjoy it. Yeah, it was going to be my last question for you, which was going to tie back to my first question, which was, you know, your familiarity uh, with the franchise. Like, after working there for five years, are you more or less of an E.T. fan? Like, do you love E.T. because you, like, feel enriched by the experience? Or are you so sick of that little guy that you'd never want to see him again? No, I genuinely think I like the movie more now. Oh. <laughs> You sound disappointed. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's adorable. I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it didn't drive you crazy, like Chinese water torture. I mean, I had no problems with the ride. I liked working there a lot. That's why That's why you, when you asked about the transfer, like, that's why I never left. Like, I mm. enjoyed working at ET, both because I, it was inside, air-conditioned in Florida, <laughs> and just because I didn't, I, I thought it was a cute movie. I think it's a cute ride. And it's especially rewarding when you do get those little kids that, like, E.T. is their movie. Like, yeah. that is what they watch every day when they go home. And then you get to watch them go on the ride. I mean, there were some times where, like, especially in that situation where you'd put, like, the kid on the ride. And then you would ask to, like, be able to meet the kid at the exit. So you would go there. And, like, you would just be, like, on the verge of tears seeing, like, Aww. the joy on their face. I bet that never got old. No, never got old. You, I mean, like I said, you would request to be, like... Please, please, please let me go. Like, I want to say, like, goodbye to this kid as they get off the ride and make sure they enjoyed it. And then your, like, leader supervisor would be like, okay, yeah, I'll cover your position. Go go to the exit. Oh, that is so, That's so sweet. 
I have one last question for you. I know like when I worked, when I was the movie ride, cleaning that thing was always a nightmare. And I'm curious, how often was the E.T. ride cleaned? Because, I mean, a lot of that stuff you don't touch, but that still collects dirt and dust and stuff. Was it was it difficult or did it? Did you guys have anything to do with that? Oh, Jack, this comes back to what I was saying about Steven Spielberg <laughs> not being uh-huh. allowed to come to E.T. <laughs> oh, speaking of that interior forest. Those fake trees with their branches. This is before 2017. This is before the refurbishment. Because when they refurbished it, they cleaned it from top to bottom. And it was a professional company, not us. Those branches in the forest, all they did for 20-some years was collect dust. There was, I mean, inches, multiple (laughs) inches thick of dust. (laughs) It was disgusting. The most we would do on the ride ourselves was we could sweep obviously. And then if let's say like someone lost a water bottle on the ride at the end of the night, we would walk the ride one looking for lost and found if it was something like dropped like a cell phone or anything, a hat, you know, but then as well, we were picking up trash because people are also losing water bottles or Mm -hmm. pop buckets and things like that. So that was pretty much it for cleaning though, was that we could do because we can't, you know, go up into these trees and dust in the branches. I mean, as with everything in a theme park, Either it has to be out of a guest reach or it has to be glued down. (laughs) So (laughs) it was, you know, there was only so much we could clean ourselves. (laughs) Wow. Well, Lily, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got you on here to talk a little bit about E.T. Sounds like you really enjoyed your time while you were there, right? Yeah, I had a good time. Maybe someday you'll return and they'll say your name properly and everyone will be happy. (laughs) (laughs) They should. It's phonetic now. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Annual Pass. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that was Lily Jeff. That's pretty cool to get a chance to actually talk to someone who worked on the attraction for all those years. Yeah, I don't expect you to know other cool people. So it's always a pleasant (laughs) surprise when you do. It was nice to meet Lily. So that's going to pretty much wrap up all of our talk about E.T. Adventure. Is it the E.T. Adventure? I'm not sure. It's it's labeled E.T. Adventure. So I'm I'm just calling it E.T. Adventure. And yeah, and hopefully you guys have dug it. And it's hopefully it sticks around and hopefully you can write it sometime. But Jeff, let us do some questions and answers from the audience. I pulled down a few right now. Here's one from Abby, who's RT underscore Abby on Twitter. I would love a bit about theme park hotels and accommodation. Disney hotels are obviously amazing, but have you ever stayed in any other theme park hotel? Do you have favorites or any that you really want to stay at? So have you ever stayed at a theme park or resort hotel, Jeffrey? No, I don't think I have. When I went to Disneyland early last year, we stayed I guess just right outside, you know, that like block of hotels by the convention center. Yeah. Well, there's also not nearly as many like themed hotels for Disneyland out in California, just because, again, they don't have the space. Have you? Not in Disneyland, but in Orlando. Yes, I have. Actually, I've had quite a few opportunities, as a matter of fact, to stay in various things. I've stayed at the Cabana Bay at Universal Studios, which is a fun, fun resort. It's themed around kind of like 50s, kind of like retro uh, surf beach resort type thing. Okay. really, really cool. It's a lot of fun. So I've stayed there. I've actually stayed at the Portofino Bay, which is made to look like an Italian kind of like Bay Area. You can actually get on boats that'll take you right to the theme parks. On Disney property, I've stayed at the Pop Century Resort, which is kind of a quote unquote cheaper resort. I stayed at Coronado Springs, which is actually really, really cool. That's a neat resort. It's huge with a giant lake in the middle as well. I have yet to stay at any of the Magic Kingdom resorts. So I haven't stayed at the Polynesian, the Contemporary or the Grand Floridian. I would love to stay at the Polynesian. As a matter of fact, they actually have like these crazy rooms that are like actually on the lake. Like you walk out on a dock and you're on the lake and you can see the Magic Kingdom from those rooms. It's awesome looking and I would love to go stay there someday. So that would be my goal. Is it a more, you would say, immersive experience to stay? Well, I mean, it's certainly simpler. I mean, especially yeah. like the like the Magic Kingdom ones because like the monorail's right there. So literally, it's like you just take a monorail to the park and, you know, you go from your hotel room to the theme park in 10 minutes. And you also get like extended hours and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of the resorts like at Universal, um, they have like early operating hours where if you're staying in the resort, you get access like an hour before the park opens. One thing we should talk about is the uh, the, the new Star Cruiser. That's yeah. going to be a hotel I would like to stay at. And hopefully you and I get the opportunity to do that when they open it next year. Yeah, I definitely am excited for you to get that opportunity <laughs> next year. <laughs> and I, I'm very excited to see you just, you know, be dragged along <laughs> with me. So it's going to be fun. I think that one's going to be the big one right there. I, like If I can get that Star Cruiser resort when that opens up, 
Universal is opening up some new ones. They have a brand new one. I'm actually staying at when we go to the, the Velocicoaster thing next week. It's the Endless Summer Resort. I'm curious to see what that one is. It's a little bit further away. It's actually closer to where the new Epic Universe Park is. So it's not right there on campus. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that'll affect the thing. You said it's Endless Summer. Is it themed after like the surfing property or is it just a general theme? summer theme i think it's just a general summer theme i don't okay. know if it's based around the surfing movie yeah i mean we'll we'll find out i, mean, I guess i'll find out pretty quickly whether or not yeah. it is or not so there you go real quick to swing back ben went through and did some research so the et species is esogian 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 and yeah. the reason why he was able to find that is because Katie actually pointed out to me that E.T. is in the Star Wars universe because in Phantom Menace, there are some E.T. creatures in like the big uh, like the Senate chambers. The Senate. Yeah. 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 So technically, E.T. is part of the Star Wars universe. So that's a Star Wars ride at Universal Studios. You could say that's an excellent point. According to Ben, it's unclear whether or not it's canon. Let's call it canon. I think we just declared it canon official done. Yeah. So boom, nailed it. It's it's canon for sure. And also there's Star Wars toys in the E.T. movie. So there you go. The <laughs> weird crossover there. Weird crossover. I guess it was a galaxy, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. So, you know, E.T. wouldn't recognize people. Anyway, what else? We've got another question here from the Joker or the J-O-3-K-3-R. Would love to know what was their personal favorite theme for a theme park, e.g. Halloween or Christmas theme. Ben, have we answered this question before? I don't think we have. My personal favorite theme. I love Halloween times at theme parks because they go all out. A lot of theme parks go all out with the horror stuff. I mean, like Halloween Horror Nights is wild. Uh, even Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween is a lot of fun. You can go get candy at different rides. They give out candy at attractions. That sounds pretty cute, actually. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. And they, they do a special Halloween version of the fireworks. So Disney uh, Magic Kingdom right now, like they're, they're still not doing fireworks due to COVID and they're trying to keep people away. Restrictions are loosening, actually. So this week, as a matter of fact, Jeff, they opened it up where you don't have to wear a mask outside in general anymore. But you oh. do have to wear a mask while in line. Of course, by now, it might be completely clear. We don't know. But just as of recording this in you know mid-May, they just said you, you don't have to wear a mask walking around the park anymore. Gotcha. But when you do get in line or you're at a restaurant or somewhere where you're like, you know, shoulder to shoulder indoors, you do need, you have to have a mask on still. So anyway, they don't do fireworks right now because they don't want people crowding up and, uh, you know, and being sick on each other, which makes sense. But maybe by the time this is out, they've they've eased up on that and fireworks are coming back. And so, uh, yeah. And also, supposedly, Jeff, annual passes might be coming back, too. Oh, so you might be able to buy your annual pass. Finally, how very meta for us. I love it. Do you have a favorite theme for theme parks? I know you haven't been to many, but if you had to say, like, what, what would be your favorite holiday theme well, for a theme park? I, I guess I should say my favorite holiday has always been Halloween. Okay. And I just think it's the most fun to play with. So I guess I would I, I would be most uh, intrigued by uh, like Halloween themed theme park stuff. Yeah. How about you? Um. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I answered that already. <laughs> so, I, said, I said Halloween. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You did. Good job. <laughs> Here we go. Here's a question for us from Chris, who's Spare Sow Center on Twitter. <laughs> says, will you guys ever do a, a video in something like Planet Coaster or Roller Coaster Tycoon to make your own theme park? Yeah. So Jeff and I, we've done video game videos for a long time. Uh, we've never done like a Roller Coaster Tycoon video, though. That could be kind of cool. Do like an annual pass-themed roller coaster theme park? Yeah, I think that's actually a great idea. One of the other podcasts that our company does is called Black Box Down, and it's yeah. about uh, like airline disasters. And it's not, not quite as lighthearted as this one. <laughs> but uh, I know that they play like Microsoft Flight Simulator sometimes and do videos. Oh. And, and I think that could be a really fun and interesting way to, uh, yeah, to kind of engage with the fandom and present this podcast in a different format. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I will say, speaking of uh, crossover with other podcasts, our friends over at, uh, at uh, Red Web, Trevor and Alfredo, they just did an episode on the Jersey Devil yeah, there is a theme park roller coaster opening up called the Jersey Devil in New Jersey. So uh, we may have to do a crossover where we take the boys up to uh, this theme park. I forget where it is exactly, but I love the idea of that. We go and we ride the Jersey Devil and we eat the Jersey Devil funnel cakes and cotton candy and we drink the diet soda and then we ride a bunch more. And then they go traipse around the woods looking for the Jersey Devil. 
And then we just meet him at the airport. There we go. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. That works out pretty well for us. It's at Six Flags Great Adventure. I've been there. Oh, have you? Well, uh, yeah. When I was in my early 20s, when I lived in New Jersey, I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> well, let, let's go. Let's go to Six Flags Great Adventure and ride the Jersey Devil and then leave Alfredo and Trevor in the woods looking for it. I would love to visit it and have it leave an impression. I'm excited. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's, that's one of those things. So, like, we were actually talking about our, our trips we want to take. And I, I was saying for, you know, at least this year, I want to go to Orlando, which we're going next week. But I want to go back so we can do, like, Disney properly. I want to go to Hollywood again, maybe Ohio to go to Cedar Point. And uh, maybe go up to New Jersey and go to Six Flags Great Adventure. And, you know, Jeff, you and I, we could just drive to Dallas some weekend and go to Six Flags up in Arlington or San Antonio. All right. But I'm not you drive because you don't I'm not pitching them for gas. All right. I'll drive. You buy the churros and I'll, I'll, I'll take care of the, uh, the, the gas. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Annual Pass. Thank you again, everyone who listened. Make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Twitter and on Instagram, annual underscore pass. Go grab a shirt in the store as well, store.roosteeth.com, because, uh, you know, the more shirts we sell, the more merchandise we can make. Because they'll be like, oh, look, people are buying annual pass stuff. So, you know, that'd be great. Again, please spread the word. Let your friends know about annual pass. We're trying to make this thing as big as we can because we have a lot of plans for it. Like going to Japan. <laughs> we don't want to get to Japan too soon because that's like our that's our big bucket list bucket item. You know, it's like after that, it's, what do we do? Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff. Obviously, get, get you know hashtag get annual pass to Japan. Let's get that trending on Twitter. So use that <laughs> hashtag get annual pass to Japan and make sure to tag Rooster Teeth and right, you know, everyone right. involved with that. D tag all of Japan. Let them know we're coming. <laughs> we're coming. So obviously, going to Japan hashtag get annual pass to Japan <laughs> is number one with a bullet. Yeah. Number two now though, after speaking with Ken Marino about Rock and Roller Coaster and finding out that he hasn't been on the ride is I want to go to Florida and ride Rock and Roller Coaster with Ken Marino. So that's my new secondary dream. Okay. Is getting us to Orlando to go ride Rock and Roller Coaster with Ken Marino. Well, I think that sounds like a worthy follow-up to hashtag get annual pass to Japan. <laughs> but let's shelve it because we get the, the internet can only handle so many hashtags at once. That is true. That is true. So spread that hashtag get annual pass to Japan. <laughs> Let Japan know. Yeah. All right. So... Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in right now. We've got one more week. Next week at this time, if you're listening to these as they come out, next week, June 10th, is Velocicoaster Grand Opening. I'm very pumped for that. And then June 17th will be our release of our Velocicoaster episode. It's going to be a good one. If you have any questions you want to ask us, feel free to email us, annualpass at roosterteeth.com. Again, follow us on the socials and buy some shirts and hashtag get annual pass to Japan. So, Jeff... Thank yes, you sir. so much for hanging out. It's, it's been a blast. You feel like you learned something today. Did you have a good time? I had the best time ever, Jack. Thanks so much. I feel like I learned a ton about, uh, well, uh, I learned that I had already been to a theme park in New Jersey that I'd forgotten about, and I learned that I already knew about E.T.'s sequel. Valuable things. <laughs> very, very valuable stuff. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. We love you. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.